Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,256. All this March, I've been celebrating Women's History Month by interviewing 21 inspiring automotive enthusiasts who are women in the automotive industry. And here's another. The real secret of success is enthusiasm. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from beautiful Pacific Palisades, California, Sue Calloway. Hey, Sue, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Mark, my five-point harness is locked and cinched. (laughs) Very nice answer. I love it. Sue Calloway is an entrepreneur, an award-winning journalist and author, media marketing pioneer, and automotive insider. She has built and transformed global brands for Time, Inc., Winter Media, and Hearst, co-founded Fortune's Most Powerful Women Summit, and innovated marketing and content platforms for brands from Esquire and Jaguar to True Car and the Auto 100. She is the founder and CEO of Glovebox Media, a boutique agency dedicated to bringing brands' best stories to life, growing loyalty and driving engagement in transactions. Previously, she was the EVP Editorial Director at Edelman, where she oversaw content strategy and creation and crisis and media training for global clients, including Nissan, Infinity, Datsun, HP, Bridgestone, and many others. Sue is the Senior Editor, Automotive for Time, Inc., overseeing the automotive industry coverage, digital, video, and print for Fortune, Sports, Illustrated, Time, and Money Magazines. You will also find Sue judging on the lawns of the most prestigious Concours events around the country. You are one busy lady. So, Sue, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and your very obvious passion for automobiles? Well, thanks, Mark. Uh, I guess in my career and in my life, I've always voted with my feet or my right foot, to be more exact. From my very first job at a regional magazine called New England Monthly uh, as a fact checker, I quickly realized that the Skip Barber Racing School was down the road at Lime Rock, and I begged the editor-in-chief to send me, and he did. I wrote a little story, and I ended up getting calls from two New York magazines Condé Nast Traveler in Harper's Bazaar, oddly, to write car stories for them. So I was sort of off and running early. And I, I really, in all my years at media companies, kind of parallel tracked the racing, which I always, in the writing about it and the day job. Of course, the day job and the moonlighting writing about it never paid for the racing. But, you know, we all know what that what that deal looks like. Uh, Finally, I found myself at Fortune through the 90s, did a lot of writing about the industry there and got very involved on a lot of levels. And that was when the the gentleman who was CEO of the company at the time, Jack Nasser, came up to me at a Pebble Beach dinner and said, what do you really want to do with your life? Because I think you should come work for Ford. And I said, how dare you? That is so inappropriate. I am a journalist on duty. And so A year later, I went and talked to him as the first journalist in after the Firestone crisis came out. And at the end of the interview, he said, all right, I tried to do this before and he practically hit me. I'm going to try one more time. I think you should (laughs) come work at Ford Motor Company. So I did. And they they put me in a marketing role, put me through a marketing 
program, and I had the pleasure of working with brands like Aston Martin, Jaguar, Land Rover, Volvo, Lincoln. And, you know, to me, to be on the inside of the industry like that was such a rare opportunity. And I learned so much. It made me a much better journalist, a much better marketing person, communicator. And, you know, through it all, for me, it's, it's my real passion and desire to get behind the wheel of great cars that that fuels everything I do. So, you know, I've done Carrera Panamericana twice and lived to tell about it, judged a bunch wow. of car shows, you know, love, love all sorts of racing. And um, I've always told my brothers that my ideal way to go out of this world is off the Corniche in Monaco in a beautiful Ferrari. And they always say, please, could you make it a kit car and leave us the car, <laughs> the Ferrari? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, You've done so much. I think it's absolutely spectacular. And our good mutual friend, Deb Pollock, who's been a guest on the show here, said, you've got to have Sue on your show for Women's History Month and uh, dedicating this whole month here at Cars Yeah to women in the industry. I think it's fantastic that you're here. I think we're going to have a great time sharing your story. But as we continue and as we begin, I guess I should say, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. Let's not go off the cliff there in Monaco. So Sue, take the wheel. Thanks, Mark. So I will share it. This is probably a little bit longer an answer than some of your guests have given, but it's so important to me. Early in my fortune career, I went to Italy to Maranello. I had the chance to interview Luca de Montezemolo, who was chairman of Ferrari at the time. And as I was leaving his office, he stopped me and he said, wait, this is something I give to the important people who come into my office. And I think you'll understand it. I give it to every employee. And it was a printed card. And I will read it to you. The real secret of success is enthusiasm. You can do anything if you have enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is the yeast that makes your hope rise to the stars. Enthusiasm is the sparkle in your eye. It is the swing in your gait, the grip of your hand the irresistible surge of your will and your energy to execute your ideas. Enthusiasts are fighters. They have fortitude. They have staying qualities. Enthusiasm is at the bottom of all progress. With it, there is accomplishment. Without it, there are only alibis. Wow. I love that. I've never heard that before. I might I might borrow that and put that on a card and hand it out to the great people that I, that I meet or the great people I have on this show. That is that is wonderful. I love Thank you. I did too. And, you know, I had it specially framed because on the back of the card, I can send you pictures of this, is, of course, the prancing horse. So when I framed it, I had the framer cut a hole in the back so you could see the horse. Oh, so it's fa- yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah, send me a picture of that. That is awesome. I love that. What a, what a wonderful way to go through life. And, of course, it makes sense coming from Ferrari. I, I too, have been very fortunate to visit the Ferrari factory, I think, let's see, four times now. And you can just sense it there. It's a very special place, very unique place. And of course, we all know the the mark and the brand that is Ferrari and how that's just probably one of the most recognized brands in the entire planet uh, when people see that uh, prancing horse. So uh, very nice. I love it. Well, let's go back in time. You are undoubtedly an automotive enthusiast. You love to race. You love to drive. I would love for you to share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were indeed a car gal? Yes. In fact, 
It was it was not when I was five and I got yelled at by my mother for getting out of the car at the gas station because we had no seatbelts to smell the gas fumes. Nor <laughs> nor was it when I cut the wheels off her Electrolux vacuum cleaner at seven to build my own car and learned what an axle was. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was it was when I was thirteen and my father had just bought a Porsche, sadly not a nine eleven, it was a nine twenty eight, I will be honest. And he was doing a little club racing and dragged me up to Watkins Glen and made me hang out for hours while he went out on the track and had fun and spun out. So I was sitting on the wall by the pits and there were some other activities going on at the Glen that weekend. And this car starts coming into the pits, it's a race car, and it kind of dies in front of me. And this guy jumps out, takes off his helmet, and he looks at me and he goes, hey, would you mind helping me push? It was Paul Newman in a Datsun. No way. Oh my gosh. Wow. One look at him, Mark, and I couldn't care less that he was a movie star. He was a race car driver. And I asked him a hundred questions about the car. And I got to meet him many years later. And I, you know, he pretended to remember, but you know, (laughs) his, his kindness and his focus. And I think he really saw that I really wanted to know what it was like to drive that car and how did he get to do that, which kind of made him smile because I was young. So that was the moment At, at that moment, the fumes were in deep forever. Well, no doubt. What a magnificent story. And you know, 928s, I was not a big fan when they came out, but I got invited to a Porsche driving experience in San Diego where I was living at the time. I had a 911 and I went down there and they teamed us up with drivers that they had brought, Porsche had brought over uh, to drive around the stadium parking lot and do the cone thing and all that. And you know who they teamed me up with was Vic Elford, oh. of course, a famous Porsche race car driver. And I got in the car and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're Vic Elford. And uh, he asked me, what do you think of this new car? And I said, you know, honestly, I don't like it. Um, and he asked me why. We talked a little bit about it. And he said, Mark, by the end of today, you're going to love this car. And I have to say, I did fall in love with the car. It was absolutely magnificent to drive and fast and just incredible. Maybe it was because Vic was there. It kind of helped nudge nudge my love along a little bit, uh, you know, because he was kind of an icon back then. And he's been a guest on my podcast here. But Man, Paul Newman, when you're 13, there you go. Yeah, the needle's in deep, for sure. Well, Vic Elford, actually, for a story I did for Fortune, we literally rented Bridgehampton track the last day it was open. And we were doing, I was doing a story on high-performance off-roading vehicles as well as on track. And I somehow convinced Vic to come and be my coach and my partner in this story. And I, I just, yeah, there's no one like him. Yeah. He's wow. How, how cool. And especially in an iconic, legendary place like that. I mean, you have two icons, Bridgehampton and Elford. Annie's sitting there coaching and driving with you. Oh, my gosh. You've lived a life, Sue, for sure. Well, let's talk about that life a little bit. And what I want to do is take you down a road of a great challenge or even a failure you faced along the way. And, and the reason I ask this question is not so much to drum up some bad thoughts, but is to share that you can learn from these situations and you can move forward no matter what they are, how dire or how small, whatever it might be. But walk us through one of your experiences and tell us how that helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your business and your career and your life. I guess it's probably an ongoing challenge, although the older I get, I would like to think the, the less so. Busting into the very male industry as an automotive journalist, as a driver, as anything has been such a tremendous challenge. Uh, In fact, 
over time, I realized that I have to be harder working, more prepared, uh, you know, and and on it in a way that a lot of my male colleagues in the field have never had to be. I also don't have the benefit of going and playing golf with the automotive executives on the weekend or hanging at the bar because the perception is bad and I won't do that. So, you know, the barriers were high. And when I got to one particularly prestigious publication where I worked for a long time, there was an incumbent of some magnitude, a male who had covered the industry. And it took me a few months to realize that I wasn't getting invited to car launches, to long leads. And I finally called up a couple of car companies and said, tell me why. I should be there. I'm the one writing this column. Like, well, because the invitations are still going to him, and I guess he's not passing them along to you. So, you know, that was that was a tough moment, and I had to kind of face into it and realize that I had to build my own relationships in the industry one by one, event by event, and that that wasn't going to end anytime soon. Um, and when I, you know, when I went inside the automotive world at, and especially with spent lots of time in Europe, but with Jaguar in particular, again, all male culture, you know, there were times that I would walk into a room for a meeting and there would be people already in the room and, and some gentleman in a suit would look at me and say, oh, I take my coffee with milk. Oh no. I was hoping you weren't going to say that. <laughs> sure. Oh gosh. Oh, wow. My favorite was getting to Hockenheim once for the, um, AMG CLK GTR launch of the road oh, yeah. they did. It was, you know, yeah. 1.8 million at the time. There were 11 <laughs> journalists there only. I was the only one from the U.S. because somehow the Buff Books had angered AMG recently. And mm-hmm. we get out there. It's a cold morning. Um, Mark Weber is the amazing driver on hand to show us what not to do in the car. And it's time for, for us to drive. And 10 guys look at me and go, ladies first, you know, cold tires, cold track. And I was so mad. I got out and I, you know, set a great lap. But um, I've, I've also learned that being angry and fighting like that and trying to prove myself that way doesn't work either. So, right. Right. you know, I think it just, it takes time for people to really trust that a woman knows about this industry. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's an ongoing hurdle. Well, it's one of the many reasons I wanted to feature an entire month of women here on Cars Yeah, is to show other women, either young or old, who would like to get into the world, the automotive world, the business world of, of the automotive industry, that it's possible and that there's a lot of women who have done it. I had Denise McCluggage, the late, great Denise McCluggage on my show. I was so thrilled to have her as a guest a few months before she passed. And, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, even worse. And she talked about the stride she had to make and how she had to really fight her way into that journalism role. And she did it through her brilliant driving and her very matter-of-fact way of of doing things. And you and I, in our pre-show chat, I talked about my wife who worked in the engineering field. And when she graduated from UCSD, she was one of only two women who got an engineering degree. And she went right into her field and she was the only woman in her office. And she faced those issues all the time. And she just decided, you know what, where I'm going to beat them, if it's if, if that's a good way to approach it, but where I'm going to you know, sustain myself here is through my brains and my knowledge. And she's very smart. So you can't compete with someone who has a very smart brain in their skull if yours isn't quite as sharp as theirs is. And But it's have you felt that nowadays it's improved dramatically or is it still an issue that happens with some of those buffoon guys out there that 
don't know how to act right? Well, it's an interesting question, Mark. I think that it's shifted a little bit. I do think it's somewhat better. I mean, I, there's a look in a man's eyes. I can always see when I'm in an interview situation or a conversation, this veil comes down and they just cannot believe I know anything about cars. So there's a, yeah. there's, I can feel it. But in general, I would say that happens a whole lot less. Um, Good. You know, at this point in my career, though, the, the the funny thing that happens is a bit of ageism as well. Not to say that I'm old, because Lord knows inside I feel 29, but there well, comes You are, where, aren't you? Well, you know, 31, <laughs> but don't tell anyone. Okay, I won't. You know, the, I know some great young guys who love cars, say, on Instagram, and it's taken a little while to befriend them because they think, what does she know? She's older. Yeah, yeah. She's, she yeah. was in it back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. So there's also that. And when they realize some of the experience I have, that kind of warms it all up. So, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah it takes time and patience and determination to just hang in there and prove yourself and be the person you want to be. And eventually they get it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just hit them a little harder with the mallet. Sometimes you got to do that. So don't tell them I said so, but sometimes that's what it takes. Is that permission? Do I have permission? <laughs> Of course. Yeah. Do whatever you want, Sue. I'm not going to tell you not to do anything. That's for sure. You're way smarter than me. So uh, I'll just, you just do what you want to do and I'll follow your lead. So that's, that's my goal here. Well, I would love for you to share a story about your first really special vehicle in your life. Maybe that first car that you saved up and finally got, or I don't know, maybe it was a really cool car you got to race or drive or do something in and maybe share a memory or two about that ride. My first great car that I saved up for was um, the original E24, um, a 1986 M6 BMW. And I loved that car. I actually cried when I sold it. I moved to Manhattan and it just made no sense to buy garage space for it. But the really special thing happened much later in my life um, when I got number seven of a run of 36 of Dan Gurney's Alligator motorcycles. What? Oh my gosh, how cool is that? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And Dan and Evie are, were and are my kids' godparents. So I was lucky enough to get to know him very well. And she's probably the most amazing woman on earth in our world. So the, the experience was amazing to get this extraordinary bike. And Dan used to go on motorcycle rides every Sunday. So you'd gather in front of his house in Orange County and, uh, you know, go usually go ride the crest or, you know, a bunch of different places we used to go. And this motorcycle, the alligator, as you know, is feet forward and hands forward and it's super long wheelbase. So your butt is kind of at the midpoint of the rear wheel. So from behind, they're actually kind of hard to spot, but anyway, it's it's a very unusual riding position. And Dan's advice to me was just make sure your feet stay on the pegs. Because yeah. if they don't... You'll scrape your knees. Of, well, yeah, it's going to get caught and, and it's going to go behind you and kind of, you know, yeah. rip your leg yeah, off. It's like, stuff. oh, yeah. okay. So I get on the bike. I'm so proud. It's Sunday morning. There are all these people around. I'd ridden a lot at that point. And I thought, mm-hmm. I got this. So I get on the bike and right in front of Dan, almost immediately dump it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, oh gosh. Yeah. I didn't hurt it, thank God, but it was pretty embarrassing. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, those bikes, when they that bike came out, it was so cool and unique. And uh, Dan, he, gosh, he's a hero of mine. I, I tried and tried to get him on this show. And it was when he was not doing very well and just had to cancel some, some interviews. And eventually, of course, we lost him. And I never got to record his voice. But I did mm. get to meet him several times at events. But I remember when that bike came out, just looking at it and going, Man, this is completely out of 
the box thinking in in every way. And I rode bikes for a while. I had a Ducati Monster and a MV Agusta F4. And back when I was a kid, I rode dirt bikes, you know, so I, I love bikes and things, but that is very cool. Do you still have that back bike by any chance? Oh, you know, divorce and, and life move things along. So yes. I do not have it anymore, but yeah. um, I had I had my moment with it. And that's yeah. the most yeah. important. I still have the helmet that matches it too. I didn't sell well, that, but you know. Well, there you go. That's yeah. cool. Well, that leads me to my seller's remorse question. Uh, it sounds <laughs> like there may be a few in your life, but there's one car in particular. And let's take money out of the equation because that just clouds everything. More emotional. Is there a, a bike or a car that you had in your garage that you kind of wish you had back? 100%. And even worse, the man who owns the car now loves it so much, he emails me pictures all the time. <laughs> ouch, ouch. I keep saying, David, stop. I don't believe it. Like, it hurts every time. So yeah. when I left Europe and came to Irvine with Jaguar to run North America, we had just opened up this great office building in Irvine. And that was when Ford put the luxury brand headquarters here. Um, I thought it's time to, to own a Jag. And I've always loved the E-Type more than any other car. Oh, that no. In my realm. E-type. So I had an <laughs> old friend back in Connecticut who had bought a 1967 Series 1.5 Coupe. Yeah. He yeah. ordered it new in 1967. Wow. He deleted the side mirrors because he thought they were aesthetically unpleasing. And mm-hmm. he deleted the radio because why would you ever have an E-Type and listen to anything but the engine? He raced it. He loved the car. I had known him a long time and he was an architect. And I called him up and said, okay, Lee, I, I want to buy an E-Type. Nobody knows more about the details than you. Where should I look? I don't trust a lot of the cars that are out yeah. there. And he said, you know, Sue, I'm going to sell you my car if wow. you want. I was like, what? He said, yeah, I think I'm, you know, I'm sort of done with it. It's time. And I know that yeah. you will appreciate it in a way that a lot of other people really wouldn't. And I said, well, that's so nice, but I probably can't afford it. And he said, no, I'll just say, I mean, how about 15000 Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, done. Sold. <laughs> okay. So I had it yeah. shipped across the country and I brought it, I had it delivered to our office building because I had learned that none of the people on our marketing team at Jaguar had ever actually been inside of a vintage Jag. So I said, okay, you don't have to drive it, but every one of you, you're all welcome to drive it, but please just at least come sit in it, smell it, hear it, feel it with me. And it was life-changing for everybody. I mean, you know, the cigar lighter, right? And there's all these touches in the car. And so I loved that car to bits, but I did sell it finally and as i said yeah. now i get to look at it yeah that's the car that started it for me it all started with a matchbox by lesney my dad bought me at the hardware store when i was probably five i still have it sitting here on my desk a little red one and uh yeah and then when i was detailing cars in junior high and high school i had a client that had one a v12 a later series car and he never put the top on it, always had the top down. I'd ride my bike down to South Mission Beach, pick the car up, drive it back to La Jolla, detail it. I remember he loved what I did because I cleaned all the spokes with a shoelace. I'd dip a shoelace in, <laughs> in soap and I'd, you know, rub it back and forth between all the laces in the, in the wheels. Oh, I love driving that car. I felt like a king. Ah, uh, they're beautiful. Ah, nice. Well, you know, in a way, it's kind of cool that you know where the car is and it's being loved, but I get it. It's kind of a tease every time. Hey, look at your old car. I've got it. You right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
Well, I'd love for you to talk about what has you excited and fired up this year. I know Glovebox Media is a big part of your life, but what has what has Sue excited and fired up about her life around cars here in 2019? So I think I told you in an email before this interview that um, I actually literally just started Glovebox earlier this year. And so it's it's a nascent venture, but it's one that's been in my heart for a long time. And, you know, to me, helping brands that I care about and only brands that I care about tell their best, most authentic stories in the most visceral way is the best gift I can give back to the world based on all the wonderful experiences I've had in automotive. And so Glovebox name, first of all, it needs never be a big thing. Um, I want to keep it nimble because I think one of the things in the world, especially of, of communications and marketing and content, you know, very few things are nimble these days, as I well know. And that's very important to me. And a glove box is obviously small. And it's the place where you put only the most important things as you want to adventure in your vehicle around the world. So that's kind of the that's where the name comes from. We are so interested in this equation that people, if you can help them understand why people desire a brand, there's to build the sense of desire around something um, immediately builds loyalty, which leads to you know, this connection, this ongoing connection and engagement, which leads eventually to a transaction or an action, depending on the brand. And so that's my joy, you know, helping near luxury brands become luxury brands, right? That's the sort of thing to me that um, we can specialize in, that very few people can. And we obviously, um, given my background and the the few trusted partners I'm working with, you know, we really have experience in at the highest levels of media and marketing. And, you know, we're looking at, we have VR partners, we have production studio partners, we have great partners who are all people we've acid tested so that our clients don't have to, to just really move that needle for a brand, measure the movement and, you know, repeat, improve, repeat. So, we believe in data and ROI, but we also believe in that visceral desire that needs to surround a brand in order to gain loyalty. So we're really excited. Yeah. I love everything about it. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. Having a marketing background and loving uh, how you promote brands and, and more particularly why people love brands so much and why do they get so connected to them is really fascinating to me. And in my mind, what it really comes down to is how it makes them feel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not even really the brand. I had a guy one time back when I was young and he said uh, he was trying to help me learn about marketing and all this. And he said, why do you wear a shirt that has a polo pony on it? Do you play polo? And I, of course, had a Ralph Lauren shirt on. I said, no, I've never played polo. I don't even watch polo. I have no interest. He said, so why are you wearing that shirt? And he really ma- was making me think. Right. And I, I started saying some, he goes, no, that's not why. No, that's not why. No. And finally it went down to, because it makes me feel good about myself because it's showing others that I maybe made it to a certain level in life, you know, because it's an expensive shirt. The fabric feels really good against my skin. It's well-made. It's representing a brand that has a very high esteem and therefore I feel very good about wearing it. And that's where he was driving me towards. And I think it's the same for cars, don't you? A lot of people that 
Absolutely. car is a manifest of them in a way and yes. how they feel about life. Yeah. Cars are that. And even more important, you know, there are very, there are really no lemons anymore. So the, the purchase choice um, is all the more subjective and brands have all the more room and, 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 the challenge to figure out what they really stand for. And sometimes as a brand, you've got so many other things going on um, that are priorities in your business. It's very hard to identify that visceral soul that really moves other people. And I guess that's one of the things that I've always loved to do, which is sort of spot the great stories that hit the editing room floor. You know, I've one brand I've worked with a lot over the years is Infinity. And a couple of years ago, we helped get the first car imported officially from the United States to Cuba. Big story that I did when I was at Time Inc. with with Infinity. Uh, Why? Because two years prior to that, I was talking with Alfonso Albaisa, the head of design at a car show, and he was showing me this amazing concept. And he has this lovely accent. And I finally (laughs) said, Alfonso, I've known you a long time, but I've never asked you where does this, where are you from? Said, ah, I'm Cuban. Cuban. And I huh. said, wow, well, let's take a, let's take an infinity to Cuba. Well, it took two years, more money than I want to tell you and paperwork, yeah. including Homeland security. And yeah, it was, yep. it was nuts. Um, but infinity being an amazing partner and timing, we, we managed to get it done, but it took two years of determination. Yeah. And along the huh? way, <laughs> I realized Alfonso had actually never been to Cuba. Oh, so, <laughs> Well, his parents were exiles. They uh, they escaped okay. during the revolution, and yep. so he had grown up in the Everglades with pictures of Cuba around him in yeah. a Cuban-American place. So when I went with him to Cuba and shot the story, he was meeting cousins for the first time face-to-face, and mm-hmm. it, was, it was enormously emotional. And would a Japanese luxury brand normally have thought of that story? No, of course not, but it'd be no. so credible, right? He had right. all the credentials to be a reason to do a story like that. So th- those Very are the cool. sorts of things that I love to do. And yeah, like, what an awesome story. Well, and remember when Infinity first came out, those first ads, television ads they did where you didn't even see the car just made waves through the industry, like, what? Are you, you're advertising a car and we don't even see it? You see water. I remember water going over rocks. and Yes. They were evicting a mood in you and obviously teasing you with, okay, something's coming. Something's coming. You got to watch for this. I thought it was brilliant advertising at the time. I know a lot of people, my friends who were not car people, thought it was ridiculous. I thought, well, you don't get it. You're not a car person. So it doesn't matter. They're, they're appealing to something different here, but uh, what an awesome story. They were going after something. And as you know, the same year Lexus launched in the United States. So they were yeah. also trying to be as different as possible from that yeah. and, and speak to the aesthetic that, yeah, the the mood, the soul of the brand. Um, and it's their 30th anniversary. So I, I hope they surprise us with some more unusual campaigns. Well, I, I hope so. 30 years ago? Where did my life go? Oh my gosh, that's frightening. <laughs> well, Holy we don't cow. age. We don't age. That's right. Yeah, we're both 31, Sue, right? That's right. I'm going to act 31, too. All right, Sue, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. 
They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. MavTV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Sue, we are back, and I have a very introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, a car, motorcycle, truck, whatever, parked in the garage, you'd manifest it into this iron and rubber and oil and gas thing, what would Sue be? This was a tough one for me, and I will be honest with you because I believe in being honest. I called up two car geek friends and said, I'm stumped because I I can only (laughs) think of the cars I wish I was. Yeah, yeah. Well, me too. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not Heidi Klum, so I can't say that one. Darn it. So <laughs> these two enormously interesting car geeks came back with two very different answers. And one oh. was the Alfa Romeo 33 Pininfarina concept, Ooh. which you can Google and it's, oh, yeah. it's rare and gorgeous and kind of quirky. So I can see why he said it. And by the way, that car geek was Winston Goodfellow, who I know. Oh, he's been a guest. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the other was the Monteverdi High, which is an even weirder, more rare car than the Alfa Romeo concept. It's a one-off and, you know, it was a Swiss built and half of my heritage is Swiss, which is why my other car geek friend suggested the Monteverdi, um, you know, powerful, raw, not very subtle. Um, it right. had a, it had a Hemi, right? 426 with aluminum cylinder heads and yeah. the engine protruded into the cockpit and actually was oh, bl- yeah. blocking the view between the passenger and the driver. I sadly yeah. have never driven it, but I thought, what great answers tells you a few things about me if you look at the pictures of both of them, but but hats off to them for answering the question for me. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the uh, the Monteverde reminds me a lot of like the Ghibli, yes. uh, their Bizzarini, uh, you know, those cars. I mean, if you look at the Bizzarini, that engine is like almost in the back seat, yeah. <laughs> to the front of the car, but it's behind the front axles, but it just it protrudes back into the car. Uh, and not unlike it a little bit, maybe even the Pantera or any of those cars. That, um, you know, we're just European bodied, powered by 
American iron. Uh, I mean, great combination. Uh, maybe not the best to drive sometimes and a little hot and, you know, a little uh, persnickety, but uh, maybe you're a little hot sometimes, a little persnickety. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, I may run hard, but I would not like to think I'm persnickety. I'll let other people answer that for you some other There day. you go. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for letting me take that liberty. All right. We are entering the last lap and uh, I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? From Rob Dickinson at Singer Vehicle Design, uh, which he has spray painted on his wall. Everything is important. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, he's been a, he's been a guest on the show twice now, and I, you know what's really cool about that? It, it it sticks to something my dad taught me years ago. He was an architect and an artist, and, and aesthetics were important to him. And I was working on a school project, and he was kind of helping me. I was building a model of the Eiffel Tower, but I had to do it in a way that was very different, I guess you should say, uh, maybe a different touch. And I was getting frustrated. It was taking longer than I liked, and I wanted to go surfing and. I said, well, this is good enough. And he just stopped me and he said, no, no, no. You don't ever go through life saying those words. That's those the kiss of death. Um, everything is important that you do because it has your touch on it. And when I met Rob and I saw that, I have his book. I'm looking at it right here on my coffee table uh, with everything is important. And he's actually put that on one of the door sills of one of his, his most recent builds. That's right. Uh, of his cars. So I love that. Yeah. Shout out to Rob. If uh, you could share a personal habit that you have that you believe has contributed to you many successes, what would it be? Well, I've mentioned relentless drive and patience, which I'm actually quite short on, but I've tried. I think <laughs> I think a number one tool for me is humor. Ah, yeah. Humor is a door opener. It's something that engages other people, which leads to building great relationships, which is really everything about this industry. The people are as amazing as the cars. And you can cry or you can laugh in life. And I've always chosen to laugh. Why not laugh? Yeah, absolutely. How about a resource? There are incredible resources at our fingertips these days. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? There is. It's actually a magazine that I have a particular love for called Lollipop. Oh, tell me about it. Lollipop is a beautiful, super high-end magazine that covers Formula One. And the the founder and photographer behind it is, a, is a, an amazing man named Joshua Paul. He is one of the few journalists to ever get a lifetime uh, access pass to the pits in Formula One. And what sets him apart is that he shoots everything that he shoots at a Grand Prix on a 105-year-old graphics 4x5 camera. Okay, now I know who you're talking about. Yes. And that means he can only shoot 20 images per Grand Prix, given the setup time he needs. And if you look at the work, everybody go to Lollipop. Uh, you gotta, you gotta yeah. go look at his website because the work is extraordinary. And to think that he's capturing live action in that format with that level of setup required just blows your mind. He's amazing. Yeah, I would love to get him on this show. Maybe you could make an introduction. I, I would be would happy be, to. That would be very, very cool. I know who you're talking about now. Yes, most definitely. Now, if I could wave my magic wand. And you've talked to so many people. I mean, you've already done this, but is there one person in particular, living or deceased, you'd love to sit down and have a drink with? 100%. Are you ready? I am. I really do want to do this. Actually, it's a terrible tease. I would love to sit down with the Jean Bugatti, you know, Tori's oldest son. That man, in his 20s, designed two of my most favorite cars, the Type 57 SC Atlantic and 
the Royale, the Type 41. He was tragically killed when he was 30, uh, swerving away from a, a drunk driver. And what a loss, because what a young man to run such an amazing company. And although Ettore was incredibly impressive, Jean had design and engineering and the capability of running a car company that young. So I would, and he's, every picture I've ever seen of him, he also looks like somebody you would love to talk to. He looks happy and engaging and lovely. And so that's, that's my drink. That would be very cool. Have you been to the Bugatti Museum in France? I have. Isn't that a it's exquisite place. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty darn cool. Yeah. It, it just blows you away. You, you almost don't believe what you see when you walk in that room in all those cars. It's like a dealer parking lot of Bugattis. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And of course, the story behind the Shrump Brothers and all their hiding away and their, you know, their illicit adventures and trying to keep those cars from the tax collector and yes. all that. But thankfully, uh, the government in France had some wisdom there and they said, you know what? We've got a treasure here. We need to share this with the world. So uh, yeah, for those listeners that have never been to that museum, take the time and go see it because it is absolutely spectacular. How about a book, Sue? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes. And it's taken me some time to find it because I borrowed it once from somebody and it's the Enzo Ferrari memoirs. Oh yeah. And so it's an autobiography translated into English. Um, but it's interesting because the translation of his tone of voice is actually pretty good. It, it's very credible. It's like you're listening to Enzo describe things in his very cranky, biased way. And yeah. it's a fascinating book. I love it. Fantastic. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find all these wonderful resources Sue has shared with us today on her very own Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com. Type in Sue Calloway and that page will pop right up, including a link to this book. See if we can find anybody who's carrying that. Otherwise, you may have to go to eBay and find somebody selling it used. But a great book to have on your shelf. All right, Sue, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. But there's a couple rules to this little game we're playing today. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens here. But I have a feeling that's not a problem for you. And... It's the only collector car you can have in your garage, so choose wisely. This is tough, too. I love the Aston Martin DBR1 more than life itself, but my choice (laughs) is a McLaren F1. Ah, okay, well. Best car I've ever driven. Oh, and you've driven one, too. Wow, I'm jealous. Uh, Yeah, I've only sat in one. I've never been able to drive one, but uh, yeah, the McLaren F1, I've had several guests who've wanted those cars. And I'll tell you a quick story. I was at the lodge during Pebble Beach Car Week with my son. He was about 12, I think, that year. And a guy drove up right in front of the lodge, stopped his car to let the valet park it. It was covered in bugs, had Colorado license plates. He jumped out, and I had to go over and shake his hand and say, you drove this from Colorado? He goes, of course I did. And my son had never seen one. He's like, well, the seat's in the middle. That's really odd. And he goes, hop in, kiddo. And so Blake climbed in. And yeah, it was just, uh, I thought that was pretty cool that he drove that car to Car Week and was using it and enjoying it. And I got to go to the McLaren factory when they started building those. I was actually importing Facom tools at the time. And Facom got me a special uh, visit to that facility. And they had, on the side of the car, they had a little compartment that popped up and there was a, set of Facom tools there that came with the car. 
which was kind of neat. Uh, Facome being, it's F-A-C-O-M-E, being a French tool company. I used to import a lot of those tools and sell them. Really nice tools, by the way. But the McLaren F1. So uh, when I buy you this car, I want to make sure I get you the right color. What color would you like? You know, Mark, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Perfect answer. The, the fun is on the inside for me. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, very nice. Maybe I could talk Ralph out of his orange one. That Please. Might be, yeah, I'll give him a call today, see what Thank he'll you. say, see if he answers the phone. Well, Sue, you've taken us on a great ride today. What fun this has been. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing part of Women's History Month with me here on Cars. Yeah, 21 incredible women I've had the pleasure and honor of interviewing. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset there on the coast highway in beautiful California in that McLaren F1? Yes, more fun from stop sign to stop sign than most people have in a lifetime. (laughs) My parting words of advice. If you get no for an answer, you're asking the wrong question. I'm going to write that down. I like that very, very much. Very cool. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing? Well, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Sue Calloway. And Glovebox Media is also just launching now on Instagram and will be on Facebook, Twitter, and um, LinkedIn probably by the time this, this actually airs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll make sure I put links to those on Sue's show notes page. Make sure you go there and follow what she is up to. I think you're going to be uh, duly impressed and learn a lot of things too, just like we have today. Sue, thanks for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your many incredible experiences. I think I could talk to you for days. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, you're the best. Thank you so much for having me. It means a lot. The pleasure's all mine. It's been great. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp., Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!